Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to the Angel Connection, a weekly show about all things angelic with your host, international healer and author, C.J. Martins. Good evening, my angel friends out there in cyberspace. How are you guys doing? This is C.J. Martis, and you're listening to the Angel Connection show on Friday, March 29, 2013. I can't believe we're at the end of March. I, I bet you guys can't either. Well, I hope everyone had a, a wonderful, amazing week. If you didn't, may your angels be with you, and thank you for spending some time with me this evening. Tonight I welcome Dr. Mari Pressman to discuss the supermind. What is the supermind, you ask? Well, well, we'll get to that in just a little bit here. Well, those who follow the show know that I love to get an inspiring story, but I've kind of switched it up this week. I don't know if you listened to last week's show. We were discussing embracing the light and how we all have the light of God within us and and that we're meant to share that light. And so I came across a lady's blog this week. Her name is Linda Ma. And so I wanted to, to share this story because I think it illustrates a lot about what the show's about and about, you know, our light in the world. So... What she writes here is, it was a lousy day at the end of a couple of bad days that were coming on the tail end of a not-so-great year. Well, before I go on with her story, of course, we've all experienced that, haven't we? So she says, we may be, so maybe the weight of the layoffs at work and a cascade of health problems for my husband was showing on my face. I honestly don't know because the fog of new potential disasters was seeping into every corner of my brain. As I walked down the street trailing behind my children, a gentleman approached along the sidewalk. We made eye contact, and I wondered if we knew each other. He seemed vaguely familiar, a bit professorial in his trench coat and plaid hat. He carried a leather satchel over his shoulder. He could have been a source from a a news story, perhaps an English professor. Maybe he was a writer. Perhaps he'd given a lecture in town or had run a business. Then again, my memory sometimes plays tricks on me, and perhaps the look of recognition I thought was simply... Uh, a look of inquiry. Often downtown, people will stop to ask something like, where's the library? Or how do you get to South Street? Or is this the way to the Radisson? So I slowed my pace as he drew near. He slowed down too. I smiled and waited for his salutation or question. He stuck out a finger instead and poked me in the shoulder. Then with a smile, he pointed to the tree line in the west. I turned to follow his fingers and saw the remnants of a pink and purple sunset hovering over the trees. He said, quote, in a couple of weeks it will be dark this time of the day. You should count your blessings. Then he waved and was on his way, walking slowly down the sidewalk, perhaps heading to the library or South Street or the Radisson. Or maybe this was just his habit, an evening constitutional to enjoy the traces of warm air and to count his blessings. My young girls asked who he was and how I knew him. I told them I didn't know him, but that he was extremely kind. And just like he had said, I said, and pointed at the sky, look, in a few weeks it will be dark this time of day. And he's right, we should enjoy days like this. That's really there all is to the story. It was a small kindness. He didn't mean it as a life lesson, that we rely on the kindness of strangers, that one small word of encouragement, that unexpected smile to get us through the difficult days, the moments when it always on our hearts. Even now, as the days are long and dark, his message will come back to me. At 4.30 p.m., the day can already be inky and cold, but I look at the horizon and think, in a few weeks, it will be light this time of day. Count your blessings. So I use that as the inspiring story because I talk about that divine inside of ourselves and that just a smile. You don't know how much we can change the world just with a little smile. And she's thinking of all the terrible 
things that could happen in the future. And, of course, I teach about let's bring it back to the now. You know, that's where our power is. And so I know there's a very appropriate, uh, inspiring story this week, sometimes just changing our point of view, uh, changing what we're thinking about. All those things can make a huge difference. So I invite you all to be a, a blessing this week to somebody who maybe they just need that smile, okay? So... Well, here we have, and we have a little bit of a, a unusual, I guess, or a little bit different uh, message from the seraphim this week. I know it will not disappoint, though. And so here is the angel message for the week of March 29th. Dearest ones, we wish to express gratitude for our ability to share divine wisdom with you each week. It is a great blessing that we have this way to communicate more directly with you. It's our desire to assist the reawakening of your inner wisdom and to deepen your direct connection to the Infinite One. It's an important and special time for you and all the others who are manifest in the human world. This is why we can communicate in the way that we do. It is the reason that you are now seeking a more peaceful and happy life. It is also why there are so many who have awakened such profound abilities of prophecy and healing. We wish to honor whatever name you choose to give the source of all that is, whether it is God, Adonai, Yahweh, Allah, and so forth. It is the same force that blinds all aspects of creation, even if you do not realize it fully. All children of the earth are unified, always, because they have originated from the same source. We wish to speak to you this week about this single energy of oneness and unity. Intense waves of divinely perfect love are now flowing into the world around you. This frequency is the catalyst for a powerful shift to occur both inside you and outside of you. There are signs of this everywhere in your world right now. Within these waves of compassion exists a direct channel of communication with the Infinite One. Every person in the world possesses an ability to use this direct channel whenever necessary. We invite you to create a time of prayer or stillness this week to consciously visualize this connection and to consciously request that it be fully open to you, and it shall. As you do this, you will begin to hear the powerful message that is being transmitted each and every day to all peoples of every land. This message comes through the voice of the Infinite One who is calling you to experience a deeper feeling of perfect love, a deeper understanding of service, a greater sense of peace, and a full knowing that all are unified in the same source. Watch for moments of opportunity which will allow you to stand in unity with others who you may not even know or with those that you are very close to. Working together in community and in positive intention is what will change this world that you live in. When many gather in love and unity, all things are possible. Your world has entered a profound era in time where the occurrence of miracles will eventually become almost ordinary. There are things already happening in the world that defy the usual rational explanation. It is now time to open your heart to the miracle of creation itself. Always remember to unify and fortify the infinite one inside of you by being compassionate with yourself and others. Share your light with others as often as you can. Know that you are loved and know that you are love. We wish you peace this week and offer our support and celebrate your successes. As always, just remember that we are only a thought away. Until next time, dear ones, we are the Seraphim. I actually, of course, dictated this before the show, but I just got goosebumps again. And, of course, it will go out in the newsletter um, and be posted to Facebook. It's almost a message that I think you have to experience and read even to get the full uh, feeling from it. So I invite you to do that. Well, without further ado, I'm excited to have this particular guest on the on the program. He's he's a, a dear uh, gentleman uh, that I feel privileged to have connected with, um, Dr. Marie 
uh, Maurice, sorry, <laughs> Pressman, is uh, Emeritus Chairman of Psychiatry, Albert Einstein Medical Center, Philadelphia, and Emeritus Clinical Professor of Psychiatry, Temple Medical School. He's a conventionally trained psychiatrist who has combined this work with studies in the reaches, high reaches of the mind. So that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. His practice focuses on spiritual psychotherapy, which is a term that many of us may not have heard about. Um, but we do see a lot of these traditional uh, therapies really moving into this space like the angels are talking about. We're in this unique time. So it focuses on spiritual uh, psychotherapy and the exploration of the human soul. During a long and prestigious career, Dr. Pressman has studied the potential of the human mind and soul for over 40 years. So I'm honored to have his wisdom with us, exploring the connections between traditional psychiatry and holistic spiritual psychotherapy. He's combined his extensive knowledge in personal development with the advancing knowledge in quantum physics. You guys know that's one of my favorite <laughs> subjects to study, as well as the wisdom of ancient mysteries. So without uh, any more delay, I want to welcome you to the show. Welcome, Dr. Pressman. Thank you very much for having me. Well, I'm excited to talk about your book, and I think this is, you know, in flowing with the angel message this week, you know, just that that we have so much, uh, you know, and, and in, in, in the way that you say it, you know, a mind beyond our minds. And so that's what the angels teach us a lot, you know, that we, we are so much more than we ever thought that we were. You know, we're coming into this time of, of greater awareness and insight, you know. But before we get started, you know, I want, uh, I'd like listeners to kind of get a, a feel for what, kind of what your journey has been up into the release of this book. So can you share a little bit about your own personal journey? Sure. I'd be really happy to. Um, when I was a little boy, I wanted to be either a doctor or a rabbi. And I came on the path of being a doctor, but I never lost the other part. So I consider what what I've been brought into to be the work of a physician priest, which is pretty much like spiritual psychotherapy. Um, anyhow, there's always been that tendency to be both conventional and rebellious. So <laughs> I can relate to that. <laughs> right. Well, that's that's where that's where adventures and pioneering come from, breaking the boundaries, but in a, in a practical way, a very conventional way, a very uh, useful way. Anyhow, I fell into psychiatry quite by accident, but after a period of time, I began to uh, begin to see moving pictures, so to speak, inside of my patients, and I really liked that. But I wasn't satisfied until. I had a, oh, I guess a guided experience. I met Stan Groff, who is very celebrated in the field of parapsychology, energy medicine. And through him, I was I had a meeting with a, uh, an avatar from the east, or a swami from the east at least, and that would be Muktananda. I visited Muktananda. I had a per personal meeting a personal darshan with him. And at first I was sort of wondering what I was doing there. It all seemed so strange to me, to me a very stiff uh, academician. And when I was in his presence, I could feel nothing but love. And I was smiling at him broadly and he at me. He put me in a very special place during the weekend of the retreat and came about and brushed me with peacock feathers and put two fingers in my eyes, and I went into spasms of love, just plain spasms of love that filled my heart with this energy, and also an enlargement of what I've been carrying anyhow, but a huge enlargement of the desire to help the whole world with my work. After that, I began to meet people who were in energy psychology and was sort of vaulted, into meeting those who were really quite prominent. Um, I came across the work of Madame Blavatsky in Theosophy, and I liked the fact that they were aiming toward a universal brotherhood of man, brotherhood or sisterhood. And I began to read in the, in the Theosophical or ancient writings 
began to read also in the great work of Sri Aurobindo and uh, found it so appealing because it spoke about the deeper and higher reaches of the mind. Uh, I learned a lot by being a psychoanalyst, and I still use it. It's a kind of an X-ray of the mind, but it has its limits. And coming into this new area that we call spiritual mind or high mind, we see that there there are literally no limits to what we can feel in the way of love for each other, love for all of nature and God's creations, and no limits to the powers that go along with it, which are really the miracles that uh, that uh, Jesus expressed, miracles that we can now ourselves perform if we get high enough. And such miracles are also backed up by the uh, the new work in quantum physics. So anyhow, that's that's how I came to be where I am, and I must say that I'm very I feel very graced to be doing what I'm doing and to have the knowledge that has been given to me to share, and very lucky to be talking with you and your audience, frankly, about <laughs> wonderful things. Well, you know, I think that uh, when I you know, when I, as you're telling your story, you know, when I'm looking back at, at my own journey, when, you know, when when things start to flow, right, and then things just mm-hmm. connect, and it just, it, it, it's like, I almost see it, and I know we'll get into this topic a little bit through the questions tonight, are, you know, when everything, you know, when we're all kind of, kind of contained within ourselves, you know, whether it be the way we were brought up or whatever, you know, but when we open to a much broader sense of ourselves, when we understand that we're all interconnected, it's so beautiful when things just line up. You know, things yes. just go, they just get into this place where it's like we're really, really, I think, much more connected in one and conscious of, of that. So before we get, get into the book, you know, uh, since this is, to me, you know, maybe not everyone's heard of the difference, you know, really between what a traditional psychiatrist does. Um, but what are some of the, the, you know, differences, similarities between, you know, being a traditional psychiatrist versus the, the practice of this uh, spiritual psychotherapy? Well, nowadays, sadly, psychiatry has moved into biological realms, meaning that... Uh, and here I think we've been really bought by the pharmacology companies. Uh, the, the typical psychiatrists nowadays will do a fast diagnosis and then use medication. And if the medication doesn't work, add another medication and another, which I think is sad. Uh, there are some still who will do psychotherapy, and I think if you do do psychotherapy, you'll explore the individual person and that person's response to the trials of the environment or the trials that he or she are carrying, and also the response to medication if you use medication. Conventional psychotherapy is um, really, or at least dynamic psychotherapy, is based upon what Freud originally taught, and that is to look inside to sort of uh, let yourself get into the flow. If there are interferences, which are called resistances, uh, they're based on a certain kind of fear, and what you do then is to absorb them, transcend them, and then you open up to greater knowledge, greater power, greater goodness, frankly. And that's just a pretty sketchy conventional therapy, but it has its limits. Freud described the limits that we can achieve would be to be able to work well and to love one other person. But if you get into the even deeper and higher regions of the mind, which I call the spiritual regions, then you see that we are limitless because we are, in fact, in truth, descended from the Creator and we contain the Creator, meaning that we are divine and we have the divine powers, and we're connected with each other in that divinity. So if we have those divine powers, we can, little by little, 
ascend into a kind of goodness which will let us know each other beyond talking to each other, which will let us heal ourselves or other people, which will even let us know what's happening in distant regions of the world. These are proven powers, powers upon powers. But it really rests upon releasing the self to have the better portion called the soul rise up in its inherent goodness, the inherent buoyancy of the soul within us. Shall I I illustrate that? (laughs) I can illustrate that quickly. If you do group psychotherapy, for example, uh, and the group forms, after a while, people can hardly wait to help each other. Well, there's some inherent goodness about all of that. I call that the inherent buoyancy of the soul. And that's and that's very true. And that's why, you know, I guess we can be our best or our worst in groups, uh, traditionally speaking, in the world. But at the same time, what is what I hear you talking about, you know, with traditional psych, uh, psychiatry. And I and I actually, when I was younger, had I had psychiatric diagnosis and different things like that, just because I had such a high anxiety uh, issue uh, and things like that. So I was just always like a deer in the headlights for many, many years, which is now completely gone. But it, when we only view things biologically, then we're only really treating a small, tiny portion, in my opinion, of the whole, which is really where uh, looking at the spiritual mind and, and those other uh, aspects of mind are pretty important to help people. I, I not only agree, but it's really so sad because in concentrating only on the physical or the biological, you really overlooking the humanity within each of us. And I'm afraid that that's what society has moved into in its fast pace. On the other hand, there's a growing group of people like you, like me, like others that we've joined who are really pursuing the human side of things and the energy medicine and the spiritual side of things. Absolutely, and I think, and and you know, this uh, ultimately, when you know, the angels call God the Infinite One, capital O N E, because we really are all one. But I, you know, I know that in this world, you know, you you can focus on the big, vast groups that are coming together that are are awakened now, looking at things from that whole perspective. You know, always going to have other people on the other side of it, right? You know. Um, still looking at it from, from that limited point of view. But the more and more of us that get together, and that's one of the things about this show. So so let's talk now then about supermind, from personal mind to spiritual mind, living in the supermind. And I like that, super. <laughs> it almost reminds me of a cartoon when I was a kid, you know, super genius. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, what, what led to, um, you know, what, what kind of moved you into to talking about the supermind? You shared some of that already, but you know, what was this book about for you? You know, putting it out. Really, I borrowed the term from Sri Aurobindo, A U R O B I N D O, a wonderful teacher who really was uh, trained in England and then moved to India and uh, has terrific writings. Anyhow. Uh, he speaks of the supermind as really the divine mind that we return to. And I guess you know, I'm speaking about the same thing, but in a lesser and more practical way. What I've noticed is that the deeper we go inside of ourselves, the more we know ourselves, the more we practice transcending the limitations we've been taught that we are, the more we practice uh, transcending our fears then we just plain rise into a feeling of oneness with each other and with all of nature. And then when we do that, we begin to acquire the powers that we have. But that's a journey which is easier spoken about than done because in looking inside and knowing ourselves, we, we really are challenged to face our fears and have faith that if we do, uh, 
we will absorb them and then transcend them as if we have as if we're sponges and have soaked up the fear and watched it evaporate. There that is a truth. That is what I help my patients to do and with a full faith in the goodness of that. So the same thing is true of depression or let's say uh unexplained rage. If one can simply absorb it, one is looking at it, one gets stronger, and then one gets wiser and you might say gooder in terms of <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Gooder is right, meeting each other and really feeling for each other. And Anyhow, so you... the spiritual mind. The spiritual meaning we're all together for sure. And when we're expanded out into that super mind, that's where all of our manifestation potential, all of these divine gifts are possible. All of those things come from not shrinking down. You know, it almost feels like we're all, well, the fear makes us shrink down, very small almost. And then, you know, when we have these liberating sure. experiences, when we reach beyond mm-hmm. the physicality of our our mind or the the experience, you know, being over-identified with, you know, this happened to me, so that's that's why I'm this way, you know, and all of these things that we can kind of get uh, distracted by, you know, that keep us from this this potential. You know, Ramdas is pretty well known. He was a professor over at Harvard who got into the psychedelic area and then went to India, gave up psychedelics, but was really trained by a guru guru there and met many gurus. He has a series of books. The last one is really Be Love Now. And he speaks about various ascended gurus in the East who just plain emanate love. As You get in their presence and you feel it. You can't help being warmed by it. Well, that's the result of really practicing knowing yourself and letting yourself transcend the difficulties and the limitations and growing yourself. This is what spiritual psychotherapy is all about anyhow, and that is helping people to do that, even teaching us how to do that. Um, The book is in in its own way, Living in the Supermind is in its own way a self-help manual because these are powers that we have in terms of helping our individual selves although it helps to be helped by another. Anyhow, talking about these great gurus who just plain emanate love, we can all do that, and we do do that if we uh, allow ourselves to to know ourselves and to live in our heart center. Right, and, and, you know, some of the greatest teachers that I've had is, you know, about looking at the world with your heart and not your mind. And my favorite Latin phrase is temet noche, which is, you know, know thyself. But mm-hmm. I think what's diff- what can be difficult is that, you know, and, and what's challenging or what you said, it's easier to speak about these topics of becoming liberated, of being in the super mind. It's, it's another thing to do it because it simply does require certain things, you know, like accepting ourselves, you know, of forgiveness, of being able to, to look at our shadow, right? Those things that we try we to shop or that we don't, don't like about we ourselves or whatever. Reason. Right. And I think yeah. we have every reason to, to like ourselves, frankly. Um, oh, I do. Because, because there is an inherent goodness within people. We've been taught by our society to be very separate and to watch out, be careful about each other. That's a false teaching which really does suppress our natural tendency to know each other and help each other and like each other. Well, and I agree. I agree with you. You know, some people may disagree with us, you know, Dr. Pressman, that everybody's inherently good, but we all have the ultimate goodness that it moves through us, within us, around us, you know, and surrounds us every single day. And you can so see that evident when people, you know, we have catastrophes happen. You know, that's when there's heroes. I mean, people who, you know, and that's what I talk about generally, which you didn't hear this week in my inspiring story, is about people who simply are love 
and compassionate and are in that place to be, you know, that person um, to, to help and, and to to do that, you know. And so I, I'm very, 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 you know, uh, engaged in in the goodness in, in people. Um, but you're right, you know, if we're uh, taught to be suspect of others, if we, everything in our society, especially in the United States, is very individualistic, approach rather than a collective so it's kind of like we've had to really work through or the hard work i guess about knowing ourselves is and you know unwiring this hard wiring stuff you know the things that have really been ingrained in us but so many people are are spontaneously awakening out of those false teachings and and so on so so I, I was going to ask you what the super mind is, but we understand that. You know, that is the spiritual mind. That is the mind that is connected to all that is. That is, you know, anything you'd add to that? Well, I wanted to say something before about sure. the inherent goodness in people. Uh, it may be hard for 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 us to understand that when we see all the terrorism and so forth in the world, but I'm lucky enough to see it almost every day in treating people, because I treat my patients with repeated visits, and I've never seen anybody really that who may have come in, people may have come in with great suspicion of each other and real anger and, and being taught to be very, very careful about each other. But in the course of, of their knowing themselves and of our being together, they really look look at that and they they lose that suspicion and feel the natural bond, not only between the therapist, me in this case, and them, but also with the people around them. And when they lose that suspicious aspect, those uh, negative emanations, they begin to to relate to people better and attract people more. So what is the supermind? It's it's really the deeper mind. The deeper you go in knowing yourself, the more you're liberated into these high aspects of the mind. And the powers that, that we have inherent within us are very much like Jesus' miracles. For example, to know people beyond words, to be able to heal people with our energies or our hands, truly, to heal ourselves, truly, uh, scientific evidence of our being able to see across the country, truly. Um, being able to move objects with our minds, truly. And these things are proven at places like Stanford Research Institute and Princeton University. So the supermind, which is inherent within each of us, is lying dormant and covered over by our suspicious beliefs, our, super, our suspicious beliefs, our beliefs that we have to be careful about the goodness that we are and the goodness that other people are, can be released as we confront our negative teachings and surmount them, confront our fears and transcend them, confront our angers and transcend them confront our fear of looking inside, which our society teaches us to be afraid of, the more we know each other and the more we can express ourselves in an honest way to each other, the more we come together in our natural unity. Now, on the so other thing that I... Mind. Yeah, and the other thing I think that we get communicated to with a lot, too, certainly, in our society as well, is just that we aren't good enough, right? We have everything that's like, be skinnier, be this, be that, or this is the idea, you know, and, and um, you know, so all these external messages, and that's... Mm-hmm. That, because you know, we don't we've, feel loved enough, or we don't feel that we're right. good enough. We're, we're not... Yep really taught how good we are, how worthy we are, each in our own way. I will tell you that the the angels um, that have been in my life that I'm very grateful and blessed, you know, they do nothing but mirror, you know, and, and to show me back when they arrived in my life, you know, you're beautiful, you're special, God needs you. You know, when they were doing, you know, I'm like, what, what, what? You know, because... They're telling me things that I didn't even believe. 
Was it not yeah. the goodness within you that summoned the angels? Well, I Your believe so. Your openness to it? It's a reflection. Well, I, yes, that's true. Absolutely. So Can in I your book... In, oh, yeah. go ahead. No, I just want to, somewhere along the line, mention my website so that people can feel free to contact me or to read some of the things that I've written. So somewhere along the line, if you'd let me do that, I'd be very grateful. Oh, yeah. We always kind of end on that on that note. Okay. So. Sorry about that. No, that's okay. Um, I'm not... I'm not a rigid person when it comes to the flow, though I do prepare, you know. So when we're talking about the super mind, so for listeners, you know, what are some of the ways that we can access it? And, of course, there's a lot of ways, fear and the things that we've already mentioned that can block it. Well, the most important thing is to really look inside, not only to take time to have a peaceful period, call it meditation, call it prayer, call it self-reflection, and we're taught, sadly, not to look inside. Everything's on the outside that is external. But if we look inside and know ourselves, we can find out what our talents are and we can live them in a way that really pleases us and all of society, which brings happiness. We can know our demons, the things that hold us back, and move beyond them. So the first thing it really is to take time to look inside to know yourself, and then after that, to grow yourself by transcending the things that hold you back and by really acknowledging and even praising the talents that you have and exercising them. The best product and the best life we can live is to do what we love and have it approved by society, get into that flow. And in doing that, we're happy, and then we also radiate a happiness and, and service to others. So I can't well, speak too much about taking time to therapize yourself by looking inside and knowing yourself. You can even pick up a good friend, a really trusted friend, a friend who is open-minded, not a critic, with whom you can share your search. Or you can... Be careful about the therapist that you choose if you choose to go to a therapist, making sure it's somebody that you feel good about. That leads into another area, by the way, called intuition. Our intuition is disparaged in science, but it's such a great wise mind, such a channel to uh, the high mind. So if we pay attention to our hunches and put them into the matrix of practicality and common sense. It's really a very good and wise teacher. So if you happen to, to be talking to somebody about yourself or even a therapist, to make sure you feel good about the relationship and about the other person. And then feel good about sharing. Right. Well, when we don't share, I found, you know, sometimes we deny other people opportunities for something wonderful to happen to them as well because of that connection, you know, the people, no accident, the people that are in your life and so forth. But when you speak about intuition, I'm glad you actually brought that up because, you know, obviously since I was a little kid, everybody listening probably knows all about everything that, you know, that I've shared on the show over the course of the last couple of years. But I found that the more... I stayed in the now, I was practice, 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 moving in that space of just this present moment, being fully present to it, and all of this. Um, not only did I have an intuition, but it was a much deeper instinctual nature that I didn't realize was present because we typically will fight it. And what I mean by that is that our body has, you know, our body is the center of our experience, you know, in the physical world. And it was interesting because I had another big shift, a big moment of transcendence toward the end of last year. I'm standing in my kitchen, um, and I'm, uh, I keep fixing something, and, and uh, my friend comes in the kitchen, and I, without even a thought, 
reached up into the cabinet next to the stove and pulled something out and reached back to hand it to her before she even asked. And in in other words, my body instinctually was in motion to help her with that. And it actually at the moment at that very moment kind of I went, "Whoa, whoa." So, you know, and the reason I share that story is because there's some things in the book that I think are very helpful that I want to make sure we do cover, you know, because you talk about surrender, you know, Mm -hmm. being able to surrender to enter the super mind. And surrender Mm -hmm. and letting go is a big theme on this show. So can we talk about that a little bit? Because as I've surrendered, like I said, I already, I didn't even hear her really behind me. I already knew she was coming, and it was just this very... Almost like you would just quickly catch something that was falling. You know, it was just so instinct instinctive. So we have that if that's, we surrender. I think. <laughs> right. That's, that's right. Um, absolutely, a very good example of super mind. Um, the the tendency in people would be to we're taught to doubt such things. Well, it's just it was a lucky guess, or you saw something in the other person. There would be this tendency to doubt which covers over this intuitive access, this gift that you have. Uh, surrender is a matter of being open, very open, to uh, facing yourself in terms of who you really are. It's called fierce honesty about yourself. And that embraces not only how good you are, and it's important to know how good you are, how much talent you have and where it is, and it's important to know what your limitations and what your um, unnecessary fears are and to withstand them. That's, that's surrendering to them. Or if you, if you go inside and let yourself surrender to whatever is, whatever comes up as you did, CJ, then, then to be open to accept and surrender is... Another word for surrender is acceptance. It right. doesn't mean giving up. It means accepting, being open. Right. My favorite thing is it is what it is. I, you know, I accept yeah. that. Even when I uh, find out I had an issue and I was avoiding something and didn't think I was avoiding it, you know, or you know, because those things always crop up, <laughs> and and it's like, oh, okay, well. Now that I, because to me, once we learn about ourselves, if we accept it, it's like, wow, okay, I'm excited. I know more about myself. I also know something that I need to do to move in a, in a more loving space or whatever that issue is. So, surrender and acceptance, I think, are key on this path. I really do. And so, and so, you know, leading into my next, you know, aspect besides the surrender is I want to talk about the witness because I actually, when I'm talking in close circles of of, uh, beautiful people that I get to talk to or um, friends or or family, I often talk to them that I simply observe reality as it arises. And witness, you know, so it's almost like at the same time I'm experiencing something, I'm witnessing myself doing it. Right. So is that the same thing you're talking about? Very much so. It's so important. So, so important. The witness is the self-observing self. And if we honor it, it becomes very, very powerful. So uh, people can witness themselves, but as you say, they can also, or we can also, witness ourselves as we are in transaction with another person. In doing that, you know, we might also witness how we are hurt, and we can react in a kind way. We can witness how we are angry and not be untactful, but really be very strong in our uh, in our tact again, in our dealing with our own anger or with what the other person has done. So the witness is a terrifically, the self-observing self is so, so very important and powerful in terms of knowing yourself and bringing yourself into a position where you can know other people and serve other people and also be more tactful and more tactfully empowered with other people. And, you know, I think what that, I've, I was raised Catholic. 
Um, but I've studied many different, you know, with gurus, with, you know, in Buddhism and all of this. And um, as the angels have been really hammering, you know, being in the now, being present in the moment, um, but I, I, I began to see that I had this natural tendency always to be looking out, outside toward myself at the same time. And the more I cultivated that, uh, it actually helps me tremendously. There's When I'm in that now moment, the witness helps me simply, if I'm observing, accepting everything that is going on, even outside myself, there isn't any resistance. I may have emotions that arise, right? I have an emotional sure. response, but it doesn't pull me one direction or the other. It's an, it's an, even if it's sadness, it's a beautiful thing to me now. It didn't used to be. <laughs> you know, I used, to, I came from a family that were all a bunch of bugs bunnies. Everybody was always cracking jokes instead of confronting issues. So, so you know, it's just, it is such a, you know, and it, to me, and you might have a suggestion for this, because I know there's listeners out there going, okay, well, how do I cultivate that, you know, ability to see outside myself? Um, that one's kind of tricky, because I think that some people do have a natural knack for that, so I feel grateful that I I, I have, you know, uh, sort of a natural knack to do that, or, or that's just already very present in me. But how do we kind of cultivate the witness do you think it's just a progression of that surrender of knowing ourselves and then we can begin to not be all you know attached in outcomes or attached you know to and i mean by attachment very clingy you know and then that sense of fear being we all we all we all can do it and we do it little by little the more we practice it the, the better we become at it it's just like pumping iron. Your muscles grow, and so does the power, your psychological muscles, to watch yourself and to control yourself with good sense as you are living life and transacting with people. Right. And, you know, and I think that, I so I think that the your book is going to help a lot of people because these um, I often teach, obviously, about things I learned along the way, but I don't really have a roadmap. But you're hitting these key points that make me very happy. I already was to have you on the show because we do all have these abilities. I firmly believe that. And you were saying, you know, just creating space to know yourself, whether it be meditation, self-reflection, whatever, so crucial to come even, you know, and what I find is like we all go, oh, i got to go meditate. Well, nobody really knows how to meditate, you know. Or, you know, so some of these things we kind of jump into. But just even being able to like, you know, journal or even something very basic allows us to kind of know what may be going on under the surface, things that we may not have revealed about ourselves. But let's talk um, about the this last thing, you know, about detachment. We have a yes. real misconstrued idea of what detachment means. In fact, I, you know, I learned my most from studying Buddhism because, and it just kind of eventually I kind of got what, you know, being detached meant. Or, you know, they say, don't have attachments. Well, I love my family. Does that, what an attachment is? And so it's kind of a difficult area for us to, I think, understand. So how would you explain that to listeners, you know, about what sure. that really means? You really pick up the most important points. And this is really important. Detachment is a useful not caring. And by useful, I mean getting into that medium point where you are living life as well as you can. At the same time, you're watching. Uh, you don't. You do the best you can. You don't care about the outcome. You don't have this egoistic personal attachment to having it your own way. And that's true whether you go into meditation and knowing yourself. Don't be worried about the outcome. Or it's true if you're in an argument. If you get detached, meaning you're watching the argument, you're watching your own emotions, you're watching the other person. If you do that, it doesn't mean you're not engaged, but you're in a position where you're in control. So it's a useful 
not caring, a useful degree of not caring. Well, in another way, it just popped in my head. I'm sure the angels are helping with this because <laughs> it's been a long week, so you know my mind can get going here. But what I, when I, you know, I used to go through life. This is the way that I would go, and this happens often. Okay, so we're going about our day. Everything's kind of cool, and then somebody comes in the room, and they've got just this grumpy look on their face, or they react a certain way. And when I was less aware, less uh, knowing of myself. I would personalize that other person's emotions, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. They're being mean to me. I I did something wrong was a big one for me. Uh, right. I need to do this. I need to do that. You know. And um, when I began to realize and allow others, and I think that's in that place of surrender and witnessing too, allow others to have their own experience of life. Mm-hmm. We we attach a meaning to something that's an unknown. We don't know why that person's upset or maybe they're being snippy with us, but we make up these stories, right? That's when I feel like we are just all engaged in in taking everything personally. I mean, like personally. And that everybody else's, you know, behavior is about ourselves when it truly is not. (laughs) It has nothing to do. You know, what happened five minutes ago before they walked in the room that made them snap, it has nothing to do with you. And, it, it, and you know, and just being able to realize that we don't have to make up a story. It is what it is. You know, to begin a, again to accept, that's what really what, what that... you said, CJ, about realizing it. In realizing it, what are you doing? First of all, you're observing. Right. Instead of just being washed away by your emotions or by the engagement. Right. Second of all, you're somewhat detached. You're not so... Mm-hmm eager to be right, you're watching, and then your big sense, your logical and good sense is coming to the fore, where you say to yourself, well, you know, maybe I'm personalizing this, or maybe this other person has a right to be the way he, she is. So in that little statement, you're summing up so many useful approaches, uh, self-observation, observation of the other, detachment, and bringing in the better part of yourself to judge. And boy, did my life get a lot easier once I realized that. Right. <laughs> because when I was feeling like a bad person inside, you know, I had low self-esteem. Well, I couldn't help making the external world all about me, right? <laughs> my right. pain, my thing, you know, whatever I'm trying to, from an ego standpoint, in control, you know. And when it hit me that, wait a minute. Even though I have taken this on, taken everybody else's garbage on my whole life, meaning making it mine, too, by being, like you said, very swept away by their somebody else's emotions or all of these things. And when I reached, I, there was such a peace that came from being able to let go of that. I'm not responsible not a, for these people. I'm only responsible and accountable for me. Once you have that model in your mind that you've just defined, then you practice it time and time again, and you get more and more automatic about it, more and more gooder about it. It gets easier and easier. And eventually what I tell people is then you just find that you're always observing, and it doesn't mean that no trigger will come. But I tell you what, if I get triggered on meaning a, a trigger being somebody pressed one of my buttons and I, maybe I, an anger or sadness comes up or upset, it is now to where when you're in that space of the observer of really witnessing, then you can just simply go, oh, it's an emotion. I'm going to feel it now, and I'm going to get to the other side of it. And just very quickly can you move through things that you encounter as a resistance, and it just gets mm-hmm. easier and easier as you go, definitely. Right. So in your book, uh, one last thing that I think I'd like to just because uh, I wasn't familiar with the term, so I'd like to relate it to our discussion. But in the book, you talk about uh, the arch plan or the or God's plan. And so how does that relate to the supermind and what we've been discussing? Um, the arch plan is a kind of a stencil in the sky, which is really uh, shaping us, just like a stencil will shape 
the colors that are poured through it. I think there is a plan up there for us with which we can cooperate or not cooperate. It doesn't mean we're helpless, but it means that there is a force, a higher force, for good or for evil, by the way, that we can appeal to, that we can work with, that we can partner with. It began with uh, reading about the great poet-scientist Goethe, who studied a building and studied a building. He climbed up all over this cathedral, and then he drew a picture of it, but it wasn't exactly as the cathedral was at the time of his life. And people told him he was making a mistake. But as they investigated, it really was the cathedral as it was before his time. They had modified it at a certain time in the past. So what he had tapped into was a picture of the arch form, the arch type of the cathedral. I think there is that upstairs for all of us, a stencil in the sky which helped or forces, higher forces with which we can cooperate or which we, we can resist. That's what I refer to as the arch form. How is well, it manifested? I... Yeah. Yeah. How is it manifested? Well, it's an arch form for various societies. Americans are very American. Germans are very German. Um, less and less so now that we have the Internet. We're getting so global. But there's this sort of national personality. Well, there's a certain kind of stencil personality that we are given as we're born, which is not only Mendelian genetics, but is also what Rupert Schultz talks about as as being um, formative forces. There are forms above us which help shape us. So I call that arch forms. Well, you know, it doesn't take long for us to be uh, to the end of our interview already, Dr. Pressman, but I'm so glad that you spent time with us uh, this evening. And how can people get a hold of you? You want to give out your web address and all that before? Yes, indeed. Thank you, Sujay. Thank you for this privilege and opportunity. Anyhow, my website is maureypressman.com. Maury is spelled M-A-U-R-I-E. Pressman is P-R-E-S-S-M-A-N, one word. Um, and there you will find uh, a way of getting in touch with me by email or by telephone, and I welcome you to do that. Also, if you do call and refer to this program, I'll invite you to have a free consultation if you wish. Well, I think that's a wonderful gift, and thank you so much, and have a wonderful evening. And thank you so much for this opportunity. I look forward to speaking to you real soon. <laughs> Good idea. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Well, folks, that was uh, Dr. Mari Pressman talking about the supermind, talking about those things that we need in order to move into that space of the divine presence inside of ourselves. And I hope that you take the angel message this week into your hearts and into that supermind. How can we be those lights in the world how can we move, you know, together to change the world? And, you know, talking about the modern miracles, Dr. Pressman talked just about what they were saying. Miracles will become almost ordinary. So believe, all my friends out there, believe it's happening and I'm seeing it each and every day. Such a blessing. Well, that's all the time we have this evening, guys. Always a pleasure to share some angel energy and myself with all of you. You've been listening to the Angel Connection Show with C.J. Martis. I'll be here next week with another angel message and a pre-recorded interview because I'm bringing on Rabbi Wayne Dosick. And my show occurs during the observance of the Jewish Sabbath, so we pre-recorded that. But we had a powerful discussion about his new book, The Real Name of God, Embracing the Full Essence of the Divine, which is perfect for this show. And I think you are going to be magically surprised. You've got to hear this interview, guys. He's such a, a beautiful, beautiful rabbi and really where we're headed in the world now. So you don't want to miss it. And so I hope you join me. hope you all have a beautiful weekend. 
And I wish you happy Easter, Feast of the Resurrection. Until next time, dear friends, remember to be angelic to yourself so that you can become an angel to others. Take care and have a blessed week and take some time for yourself. Be still and listen for the voice of God. Love to you all. Take care and I'll talk to you next week. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.